and welcome. Thanks for joining us. My name is Andy and I lead City Church here in Bristol. It's great that you could be with us today. Today's an important and special day for us at City Church. Um, at the beginning of each year, we normally have what we call a Vision Sunday, where we talk about uh, what we feel God is leading us to during the next year. It just gives us as a church a bit of a heads up as to what we feel God's been saying to us and the direction we'll be taking. Of course, with COVID, all that has been rather disruptive and disrupted. But what we also want to do is look a little bit further ahead. And we want to look at some five-year goals today. And so today will be different because Ben and I are going to share this sermon together. I'm going to look at some kind of theological background to why we might be doing this and how we need to go about it. And then Ben's going to talk about the details of the goals that we want to set in place for us as a church. So I hope that's all clear. Um, just to say a few other things. Um, as a church in the last few years, we've been moving towards um, the understanding that to be a believer is, of course, to love Jesus, to follow God, and also to do what he tells you to do. And so with our Connect Group system, we've emphasized the fact that you can hear from God about something that God wants you to, to do, to pursue, uh, and then go ahead and do it. And we've encouraged uh, us to be doing that in the last few years. And it has been a thrill to see just the variety of groups that have popped up. And it's been, uh, a, a, some of them have changed, some of them have remained the same, and they have served us as a community, as a church, as a family. But also they've begun to reach out into the community as well, and that's a thrill to see. And that's, I think, come from this sense of release that, you know, if God's telling you to do something, as leaders and elders in the church particularly, we want to encourage you to do that thing. Now, it's not that we all just go off and do random things and there are systems in place where we, we check that out and we pray it through and we talk to wise, older, wiser people and discuss it with them. And then we go ahead and we do it. We express our faith in action. Um, and that's been true for many individuals and groups across the church. But here's the thing. What about us as a church community all together? What about what are we going for, all of us together? There are things that we can do in smaller groups and there are some things that we can only really do when we do them all together. And those are the things that we're going to be talking about today and in fact next week as well. well we have a history together as a church and a few years ago we talked a bit about how that history is, is mirrored and reflected and uh, we get some idea about where we're going because God has led communities of people before. And we look into the Bible, we see many stories of of how God led his people. And a, a few years ago, we looked at the story of how God led the Israelite people out of Egypt. They had to flee the Egyptian oppressors and flee Pharaoh and Pharaoh's army. And they came, uh, as they fled in those first few uh, days of fleeing, they came to the Red Sea. And God said, it's that way, pointing out over the sea. And there's hundreds of thousands of Israelites and in front of them is a sea, and behind them is an angry army. And God said, it's that way, across the sea. And of course, that's impossible. And yet God didn't relent. He said, no, it's that way. And as Moses went down to the water and began to step in it, as it were, the waters parted, and the people traveled through on dry land and were rescued. And a, a, a mighty undeniable miracle happened that the whole nation recognized 
and their faith grew both to follow Moses but also more importantly to follow God's leading and so there was a history of God's people uh, following God's instruction and seeing miracles open the way. Now, today we're going to look at the other end of that journey because that wasn't just a journey of escape. Actually, that was a journey towards a promise. God had promised Abraham uh, generations before, I'm going to give you a home. This nomadic people are going to have a home. They never really had a home to that point. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you a place to be, to raise families and children and crops and, and generations are going to enjoy my presence and the goodness of God in a place. And that's where that beginning of that journey out of Egypt was headed. And today we're going to look at the other end of that story where they arrive at the promised land. They arrive in Canaan. Now here's the thing about that story. The journey between where they were and where they were going It's about two weeks, and the story we're going to pick up is 40 years later. Why the delay? Why why did it take them 40 years to do a two-week journey? And the reason it took them so long is a reason of faith. When they first arrived after a short time, having crossed uh, the Red Sea and and arrived at the, the borders of the promise that God had led them to, the promised land, they lacked faith to enter the land. And that lack of faith meant that God said, no, you, you, you can't, you're not ready yet. And he sent them back into the desert to literally wander in the desert for 40 years. In fact, the whole generation, except for two men, had to die out before they could come back to the moment that we're going to look at today. Just, it was just Joshua and Caleb. And as we pick up the story here in Joshua chapter 4, Joshua is now leading the nation. Moses didn't even make it into the promised land. It was just... Joseph, uh, Joshua and Caleb. And here they are arriving at the borders, ready to cross into the promised land. And they actually arrive at another river. They've come through the Red Sea. Now they're arriving at the River Jordan. And they need to cross the Jordan to enter the promised land. They are coming into the promise. And they're ready this time to do it. Um, But of course, there are now even more of them and there's another body of water they have to cross. And the Bible actually tells us that this time of year, the Jordan is in flood. And so there's a problem. How are they going to cross this one? Also, remember, although God has been providing for them in the desert, there's been manna, and there's been quail, and God has provided water time and again for this mass of people that are very nomadic up to this point. It's been 40 years of, of not a lot happening with them. 40 years of them just wandering the desert and growing as a people, but actually not a lot has happened in terms of progress towards this goal. And so it must have seemed like an absolute breakneck speed moment when they come to the River Jordan. And let's pick up the story uh, in Joshua 4 and verse 19. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilead at the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that had been taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord our God dried the Jordan before you until you crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he'd done to the Red Sea when he dried up before us until we'd crossed over. He did this so that all the people on earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful so that you might always fear the Lord 
your God. And of course they crossed the Jordan. Actually what God instructed them to do was to let the, the priest to go ahead of the people and to, put, and to literally put their sandal in the flooded river. And as that happened, the waters, it says, they piled up. I've seen quite a sight. They piled up and, and they crossed over the Jordan on dry ground. But that was, there was more to the story as we've just read. And it's a strange little piece of scripture, but it's full of meaning even for us now. On the way through, on the way across the Jordan on this dry ground, they are instructed, pick up 12 stones, one stone for each tribe. And when you cross and you arrive at Gilgal, pile the stones up. Pile them up as a memorial to God and to what God has done. And that's, of course, what they did. And there's actually a name for that pile of stones, (laughs) and that is called an Ebenezer. Now, I, had an, I have an uncle Ebenezer, uh, but that's <laughs> that's not what this is talking about. And, and Ebenezer means stone of help, stone of help. And the point of this uh, pile of stones was uh, to remember the miracles of God, and particularly this miracle of crossing the Jordan into the promise. And when it says later, when the children ask you, what do these stones mean? Um, you have to tell them. It's what God had done. God led us across the Jordan into the promise. And he did a miracle in order to achieve his vision for us, his end game for us. And tell the children and let faith rise in them. And each tribe was to, do, was to take one of these stones. It was, it was kind of personal down to a tribal level. Each one of them would be like, that's our stone. Do you remember what God did? And actually, as they talk about this, we, we realize it's more than just this one miracle. There are multiple miracles of provision of food, of actually even, even the freedom uh, from Egypt all those years before. God is with us. He is doing miracles to remind us, to raise our faith uh, for the future that God has for us. In fact, coming through the Jordan is a bit like, and we'll talk about this a bit more next week, it's a bit like they were baptized into their inheritance. They all, the whole nation passed through the Jordan on dry ground. They came through the waters, as it were, and entered their inheritance. Um, now, the idea of remembering and drawing faith from remembering is really what we want to think about uh, in the next few minutes. And actually, that's uh, uh, happened at other times in Israel's history. They would rise a pile of stones as an Ebenezer to the Lord. And Christians through the years have talked about raising an Ebenezer. And sometimes when a new building is built, like a church building, they talk about it. This is an Ebenezer. It's a, a stone of help, a reminder of what God has done in the past. And therefore it thrusts us, projects us into the future, filling us with faith that God's character is the same as when he did this. And he will therefore do that. Habakkuk. He knew this idea, and it's later in the Bible, but we, we read his prayer, and I'll read a few verses in Habakkuk 3 just to, to pick up this theme and develop it a little bit in Habakkuk's prayer. Habakkuk 3 and verse 2 says this, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And so do you see the connection between the past and the future? And the faith 
of the miracles of the past are drawing them into the future that God has for them. It's actually a really exciting way to find faith in the Lord. In Revelation, it it tells us they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They had stories. They had something to say about God's goodness and faithfulness. And these, this pile of stones here in, in the story in Joshua is exactly that. It's a testimony to God's goodness and God's uh, faithfulness. Now, we need to do these things as well in our own lives, both in our lives personally and in the life of a church as well. It's important that we remember. And I, look, I'm, I am someone who's kind of hardwired to look forwards And so I I find I quickly forget things that God has done in the past. And so I need to come back to to, uh, passages like this and remember what God has done. It's very important that we do that. Why? Because it builds our faith. It's, I have heard of your fame. I remember your fame, your goodness, the deeds that you've done, and make them known again today. Do it again, Lord. Do more than you've done in the past. Take us into a future that glorifies God where others will find out about his goodness and his grace. So let's just look at a few of those memorial stones. Some are more corporate. In other words, some are, are, are memorial stones that we can all access. We, it's part of a, a kind of corporate history. And some are personal to us as a church, and then some are personal to us individually. We'll just look at two or three of those as we uh, move ahead. First would be creation. Now, we've been looking at Genesis, the story of Genesis. And creation itself is a, it's a stone of help. It's something to look at to receive faith and comfort from God. In Psalm 8, David writes this, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you set in place, what is mankind that you are merciful to him, human beings that you care for them? But you made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. He's saying, consider the heavens, the work of your fingers. Consider them. Look at this creative wonder that God has done and draw strength remembering that he who created them is your father and your friend and, of course, your saviour. He who made this, he who, he who is in the detail of the wonders of creation, in the, tiny, in the tiny and in the huge, is also in the tiny and the huge of your life as well. It's like a memorial stone. It reminds us of his goodness. So that's something we can all share. Now, salvation. Coming to a relationship with Jesus is a memorial stone. We'll talk more about that next week. Just to say this, in 2 Timothy 1, we read this. He has saved us called us to a holy life, not because anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. God has done something magnificent in the lives of those who believe, changed them, transformed them. We'll develop that theme more next week, but that's a memorial stone. It's something to look back on, to remember that the moment or the process by which you came to know the Lord Jesus and draw strength from the future. He chose you, for instance. You didn't choose him. It was his initiative. And if it's his initiative, he will see you through. And then there are even more personal things in our own walk with God after we've become believers often. Let me just tell you one that's true uh, for us as a family. There are, there are many, and as I say, because I'm hardwired to look forward, I, 
I have to do this as a process. I, can't, I have to actually think about it. It doesn't come to me very easily. But here's one. Many of you all know that we lived in South Africa for quite a long time, uh, uh, three, uh, four years or so. Um, and uh, we, we, um, on our kind of exit from South Africa, we were moving to London, which was going to be very expensive. And, um, and, that, and that, kind of, uh, that process, uh, we, we wanted to express faith. Now, years before, uh, my youth group leader, a guy called Richard Thomas, um, who is a church leader in New Frontiers, uh, currently just up the road here, actually. Um, he uh, was our youth leader, and he told us a story of their faith journey. He said, he said, twice in our lives as a family, we have given away everything that we owned. And I just found this incredibly challenging. Just an immense challenge. How, could you, how do you even do that? What, what does it mean to give away everything that you have? And then I also thought, my goodness, I might live my whole life and never know what that's like. I'd love to express that kind of faith, to really believe God. I, I don't think it's something you can do all the time. Um, it'd be tough to do that in our current culture, but maybe one day we could do that. And that was a moment as we left South Africa where we said, let's do it. Let's, let's leave this place thoroughly blessed in every material way that we possibly can. And so we gave away everything that we had. I, I say everything. There were a few sentimental things that we kept, but we gave away cars and beds and cookers and fridges and freezers and just everything that we could lay our hands on. Literally, we gave it away. Bookshelves, I mean, all kinds of things we gave away because we really wanted just to bless people and trust God. Uh, and, and, then, and then we were going to move to London. It was madness because we we're going to move to London. It's very, very expensive even all those years ago to do that. Now, almost as we, we, we expressed our faith in that way, um, and it was scary and it was incredibly fun as well, I have to say. It was really good fun just to kind of abandon yourself to God. Say, God, if we are in your hands now. We're making this move and we don't have anything really to take with us. But God provided uh, financially for us, miraculously, it would be embarrassing to tell you the number. It was a very, very very many, many tens of thousands of pounds that God provided for us, which meant that we could make the move to London. God did something in our own hearts and in our lives, and it's become something of a memorial stone. God will provide. God can be trusted. And that's our personal stone for us. And there are all kinds of memories and joys that came from who we gave various things to that meant that their stories also included faith as they moved on. So that's a personal one. Then finally, uh, for this morning, we have uh, a church kind of based memorial stones, things that God has done for us here at City Church. It's true for every church, but for us in City Church. Um, for instance, 1997 was a big stone and a big memorial. This church was planted, it was started in 1997. We actually have a clip which we're going to play for you just now, just to remember, remind ourselves of what God did all those years ago. There, there they are, just a, a small group, probably less than 30 people, worshipping God, believing that God would do something here in this city through their faithfulness. And just in those few minutes, those few seconds there, you see that's a memorial stone. God drew people from Brighton and other places to come and say, let's start something in Bristol for his glory. And as we look back, we see that their faith and faithfulness 
We've inherited something of that. And as we look back, God did it. God started it. And he will continue to do it. In 2017, much closer, we brought uh, Bridge Community Church and City Church together. Something that had long been hoped for and prophesied about, had been hard to achieve. But in 2017, God did it. And we brought these two churches together. And then just in the last year or two, we planted a site into fish ponds. We have memorial stones together. We have moments in history of God's faithfulness. And we need to remember those as we look ahead to what God has for us. And in all of those stories, the personal ones and the corporate ones and the church-wide ones, it's filled with personal challenges and faith battles and, and, and prayerful considering what this might all mean and the moving often of families and of jobs and all kinds of things because they believed that God had called them and us together. And that faith expressed, we now inherit. And what next? What will God do with us if we dare to believe again? Let's take and draw faith from what God has done in the past, just like the Israelites did. And they would do for generations as the children looked at the Ebenezer, the pile of stones, and said, what do they mean? And they were told, God was faithful and he will be again.